So this morning, um, I was asked to, uh, to teach this morning, and um, I was trying to figure out what would be a good thing to do and what to bring up. In the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about faith and trust and um, all things working for the good of them that love the Lord and all that kind of jazz, and it's really good stuff. But today, I want to use a practical application, and so I want to look at John chapter 5. We all know this story. We've read it a million times. Somebody read it through, and then we'll go back. Like, read verses 1 through, I think I want 1 through 7. Just read it straight through, and I'll stop, and then we'll go back and we'll deal with it. 1 through 11, actually, sorry. After this, Jesus went to Jerusalem for a religious festival. Near the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool with five porches. In Hebrew, it is called Bethesda. A large crowd of sick people were lying on the porches, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. A man was there who had been sick for 38 years. Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew the man had been sick for such a long time. So he asked him, Do you want to get well? The sick man answered, Sir, I do not have anyone here to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. While I am trying to get in, somebody else gets there first. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Immediately the man got well, he picked up his mat and started walking. The day this happened was Sabbath. So the Jewish authorities told the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath, and it is against our law for you to carry your mat. He answered, The man who made me well told me to pick up my mat and walk. Alright, so we're in John chapter 5, for those that just walked in. Really cool story. We've heard it a million times about this man that's at this pool. And he's, he's uh, one person impotent, can't walk. He has some kind of affliction, but he can't move, right? And Jesus shows up and he's like, hey, you want to be made whole? And the dude is like, I want to, but people keep getting in my way. And Jesus like, get up and hold. And he was like, okay. And he got up, picked up his bed, and he walked away. Simple story, but I want to look at it from a different perspective this morning. All right, so read uh, verse number one and two for me, somebody, again. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem on one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. All right, so who, who do we see? Jesus. Jesus. And where is he at? Jerusalem. He comes back to Jerusalem. It says he returns, which means he had been there before. All right, so now that he has come back, to Jerusalem, he um, why is he there? What's the purpose of him coming to Jerusalem? Uh, Jewish holy day. It's a Jewish holy day. So his purpose is tied to what? The, the what? The day. The day. He's here because there's something specific going on this day that's tied to his um, I guess for lack of a better term, um, uh, race. It's tied to I'm a Jew. It's a Jewish holy day, so I need to come to Jerusalem because that's what we do. That's the way I was raised. That's what I've always done. So we're going to come here for this specific Jewish holiday. There's some things that sometimes you just come out of routine. Are y'all following me? You come because you've always done this. You've always seen this. We all have, we have things that we've always done because we've always done it. We don't know why. We just always done it. And so he's coming to this Jewish festival. But when he gets there, he come, comes across this place. All right? What was the place called? Bethesda. Bethesda means, if I remember correctly, means, uh, Beth means house, Esda of mercy or grace. So it's either house of mercy, house of grace, either way it go, means the same thing. House of grace, house of mercy. Why is that significant in the title? 
Bethesda means house of mercy. Why is that significant? Because of the pool. Say what? Because of the pool, the angel comes down and stirs up the pool. First person in and gets healed. So everybody that's around this area has some kind of disability. Everybody, if you're around this pool, if you're around this, this, this sheep gate, first off, right down the street from it is the sheep gate. Alright? Sheep gate, you come in, and then you have the house of mercy. Alright? And so you come in there, if you're there, you have some kind of sickness. So whether you can't walk, whether you can't see, whether you can't, um, you have some kind of disease, regardless, you have some kind of issue that's messing you up and you need help. You need healing. And so you're in this place, though, because you've tried everything else. You've tried people, you've tried doctors, you tried X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z. But now you're in this place because nobody can help you. So you heard, read verse number three for me. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and, tr and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in and was made whole of whatsoever disease. Oh, so, why were they there? Because what happened? They wanted to be healed. They, they wanted, wanted to be healed. Water. What happened? They wanted to get into the water. Why did they want to get into the water? To be healed. To be healed. Why was there healing in the water? What was the reason that was there? The angel, the angel went down and stirred up the water. And who would get healed? First come, first serve. So if you had, if you got there too late, you missed it. So if you, if the person, if the person next to you, if your legs didn't work but they were just blind, there's a good chance <laughs> that they were gonna get there before you did, and you just screwed. Sorry. Like now, you might have got there because he couldn't see where he was going. He went in the wrong direction. Um, but either way, go. I guess it's a struggle. Um, but they wanted to get healed. Now, this is why I'm doing this. Every table. I have five porches this morning. There are five porches here. Every porch has a different issue and struggle that people deal with today. Now, I plan on teaching mostly uh, high school kids, so a lot of this stuff is more so things that high schoolers deal with, but we all deal with it too, just on different levels. Um, right here we have the porch of laziness. You, don't, you have this porch where you can't, you don't, you're not self-motivated. You can't make yourself do anything. In order for anything to happen in your life, Somebody has to tell you to do it and set the stuff up for you. Hey, should I do this? Is this the right thing to do? You're always asking people's opinions because you ain't motivated your own self. And if somebody else don't do it for you, it's not going to get done. The porch of laziness. Right here you have the porch of attitude. You get you ready to go off at any moment. You're angry all the time. If somebody cross you wrong, it's over with. Your mouth is, will get there before your hands do because your attitude is just jacked up. All right? And that coming from like the high school or the younger people's perspective, those are the people that anytime they're corrected, they got something to say back. That's adults too. If you say anything to me, that's any kind of correction. It's worse when you're an adult because that's we have that response. I'm grown. You don't tell me nothing. That's attitude. All right. Then you have the, 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 the porch of sexual immorality. This gets things. I separated the two. I separated sexual immorality and homosexuality on purpose. Sexual immorality is more so people that just can't keep their pants zipped up. They always around, they they sleeping around, they doing this, and it's not even that. They watching stuff they shouldn't be watching. They doing stuff with, with other parts of their body they shouldn't be doing with. They just very, very hypersexual. This is that porch. And they, they just can't get around it. Then back here you have the porch of homosexuality. Y'all know what that is. That's a porch that a lot of people are dealing with now in the church, but they don't want to talk about it and we don't deal with it. And you have this porch where you just you can't help that you don't you don't want it 
but you, you're being pulled to the wrong sex and you just can't stop and you're like, what's wrong with me? You got that porch. Then you got the porch of unforgiveness. Folk that hold grudges. That kind of goes hand in hand with the attitude thing, but folk that are always holding grudges that never let you live anything down, that will never let you move past it. They always look at you did this five years ago, and I'm still on. And you might not be like, I'm mad at you, but the way you treat them is a little different. You don't talk to them out in the open. You, all you say is hi and vibe when y'all used to be like really, really, really close. And y'all used to hang out. That porch of unforgiveness. But you got, and there's plenty of other porches, but this morning you got these five porches. Anybody, uh, anybody can deal with any of these porches? Like, or is it just me? Mm -hmm. So we all deal with something in this room. It might not be the table that you're sitting at, but everybody deals with one of these porches. And some of us deal with multiple porches. <laughs> like, some of us deal with a lot of these porches. And so we all deal like, like on everything. Because we, we have this struggle. The struggle is real. We all have things that we deal with. And so the reason why they came to this pool was because they wanted to be made whole. The reason why they came to this pool is because they wanted their physical issues to be washed away. The reason why they're at this pool is because they wanted their physical disabilities, their physical deformities, the things that made them different, the things that made people look down on them, the things that stopped them from being perfect, they wanted them gone. And so they said, if I can just get to this pool, because the doctors couldn't help me, my mama couldn't help me. And as a matter of fact, if you know anything about Bible times, people with physical disabilities, they were viewed differently. They weren't allowed to go to some of the places that other people went. I, there was a man with a withered hand uh, who was in the temple. And he was, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tree, um, he was in the temple and that people were upset because he had showed up there because he's not supposed to be there if he has some kind of issue. And Jesus healed him in that moment and the folk were like, wow, this is interesting. And so if you have an issue, you're supposed to be separated. So what can, easily ha what can easily happen if you have a whole bunch of people with physical disabilities and everybody has given up on them and they're all in the same place? Yeah. Say what? Yeah. Why would you die? Because you have nobody to take care of me. You have no, you know what I mean? Like there's no type of support. There's no support. Everybody there is disabled. So who's going to go out and find food? You can't walk and you can't see. You get what I'm saying? Who's going to go out and who's going to who's going to protect us if somebody comes in and tries to kill us all? You can't walk and you can't see. Like it's these issues. So you can easily die out there because you have nobody supporting you. Then what did you say, precious? I said everybody need help. Everybody needs help. Now watch this. We we want to be in places where everybody has issues. Why? Why do we want to be there? Because you feel comfortable. You feel comfortable. Why do you feel comfortable? You're no longer out of, an outcast. Everybody there feels like you do. Everybody there feels pushed out. They feel like nobody loves them. They feel like they've uh, been hurt. They feel like they've been given a bad um, run in life. They all feel like you do. So you feel comfortable because everybody can relate to the pain that you go through. But what's the danger of that? You can die. Because there's nobody there that can help you get out of it. Are y'all seeing this thing? So it's a really dangerous place. This is a dangerous place to be in. Yes, everybody came because they wanted help and they wanted to be healed, but everybody there had issues and nobody could help anybody get better. And this, and this twofold too though. Like with us, there's, a, there's also a place where everybody acts like they don't have issues and then nobody can get better because mm -hmm. everybody's acting like they don't exist. 
And that's what we can a lot of times fall into. That's why nobody would want to come here. They're like, wow, if y'all got it so together, I don't feel comfortable going there. You know what I'm saying? We go to people with this attitude of I got it all together and I'm better. We're better than you because you're out here. Who wants to come into that? And see, that's why in the church it is important to share on some level these struggles we have with each other because I might not have a problem with forgiving people and I have a problem with sexual immorality. We can help each other out or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Just because at some point somebody in the church got to be good. Like... We, I mean, we all gonna have some type of level of problems, but there should be someone that you can go to, which is usually probably the elders or the people in leadership that you can look to for spiritual mm -hmm. guidance. That I'm not gonna say that got it together, but they don't have the issues with sexual immorality, especially those outward sins that we can really see, attitude problems and forgiveness and those things like that. A lot of people struggle with, but a lot of these like type situations we should be able to go to someone that we know has a handle on those type but of things. But that's a fine line though. Because yeah. like going back to what Javen was saying, if everybody got if we got it together, you ain't gonna want to talk to me. Now what you're saying is we should be able to look to people that that got it together so that way we can have hope and get some strength. But then at the same time though if if you think I got it together and you struggling you ain't gonna want to talk to me about it. So it's like how do you men live that we have this discussion a lot. How do I remain respectable but still be relatable? That's, a, that's like the biggest struggle of my ministry is I want to be in a position where y'all can respect me and I live a life where y'all can respect me. But a lot of times I feel that if I go that route, then y'all don't feel like y'all can relate to me. So y'all don't talk to me. And so I can't help you anyway. So it's like, what do you do? And I'm literally asking. Like, I can use some help on that. <laughs> that is, I mean, like, you're right, though. It is a... It's, a it's, it's a struggle. Because I'm, you know, cause at some point, you're going to seem like you're being judgmental. Because that's what I'm saying. Like, for me and Lid, and I'm, this is just my, my life, There, I've, I've worked really hard on trying to get my life together and do what God has called me to do. And I feel like once I've gotten to that place to where I've got it together, and I hate it because I don't got it together, but y'all get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I feel like now there's a certain level of distance between me and the rest of the young adult ministry. I just feel it. And I'm sure y'all can see it too. There's just a certain level of distance. But like, I'm like, but I can't. If I see something that ain't right, I gotta say something because that's my position as a leader. But I still wanna be, I wanna be able to relate to them because I feel like now what a lot of times what happens is people just do stuff and don't include me. Um, and now I, don't feel, I don't feel like I'm left out. I more so feel like I could help, but like I can't, I don't have the opportunity because I'm not there. Like for, uh, if you're struggling with, with lying or sexual immorality or one of these right here, I've been there and I can help you with these things, but I feel like because of the position that I've placed myself in, you don't feel like you can talk to me. And so I'm watching you go downhill, but I can't do anything about it. And that's just, that's my real life, personal life experience. And so I'm just, I, I, and I feel like we all are, especially when you become young adults, you start getting to that place to where you're trying to figure out, okay, I've got to do better. But once I start doing better, how, how do I relate to the people that I'm supposed to be leading? I don't know. I think it's, like you're saying, just be transparent, but not from a place of condoning it. You just got to come from a place of helping. Like I was there. 
You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're going through, but this is what helped me. You know, this is what's helping me. And that's not to say I've got it all together, but just being more aware of it. What helps you? You know what I'm saying? Stay away from that more. Because some people are just, they feel like it consumes them. And sometimes they don't want somebody who got it all together, but they want somebody who can, can at least control themselves around it. Some people feel like they have no control over their struggle. Like, I don't know why I'm this way. I try to do better. It just consumes me. They just want to hear from somebody who, has, who struggles with it, and they may not get through it every time, but they have more of a, you know, awareness of themselves and how to deal with that better. Mm-hmm. So just really open up and not coming from a place, don't do this, don't do this, because you're supposed to be this, but more of a don't do this because I was doing this, and it's not, it doesn't get you. It don't work. Yeah. Another thing I want y'all to look at, you each have a different struggle. You all have a different porch. But what sense does it make? Because this is what we can do, and it's kind of what Trinae was saying. People that have the spirit of unforgiveness tend to point their finger at folks that have the spirit of sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. People with the spirit of attitude problems have a tendency to, uh, to point their finger at those with the spirit of homosexuality. But we all have a porch. You get what I'm saying? What sense does it make for the one that's crippled to be pointing and laughing at the one that can't see? Both of y'all, y'all both struggling. Like, both of y'all get a handicap sticker. Both. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> you can't get up and go get some juice. You can't find the refrigerator. Like, <laughs> like what sense does, does that make? We all are disabled in some way. And I want us to see this. We all have something that makes us imperfect. We all do. Uh, Psalm 139, you saw my substance, and yet it was imperfect, but you love me anyway, God. Like, everybody has something that makes them need God. And that's all it is. This thing right here, all this is 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 the reason for you to need God. If you took this away, God isn't necessary in your life anymore, and so there's no reason for salvation, no reason for the cross, no reason for the blood, no reason for Christianity, no reason for the church. If you didn't have this, go to Romans 2 Corinthians 12. Um, verse 7, somebody get that for me, please. But to keep me from being puffed up with pride because of many one, the many wonderful things I saw, I was given a painful physical ailment which acts as Satan's messenger to me to beat me and keep me from being proud. So because I had seen so many powerful things, because I performed miracles before, because I had done all these things, God gave me something in my flesh, a physical ailment. I don't know what it was. I don't know if Paul walked with a limp. I don't know if one leg was shorter than the other. I don't know if he had um, if he had kidney stones that always were coming up all the time. I don't know what his issue was, but he had something that always made him look back to God. Something that, that humbled him. Because this is the thing, you can start preaching and teaching and you baptize a whole bunch of folk and you can start thinking that you, that you God himself. You can start thinking that. And when people do dumb stuff, you're like, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe, how, would you, how could you do that? And so Paul needed something in him that put him down on everybody else's level. I made this point a couple of weeks ago. God could not understand why his creation kept sinning. He couldn't get it. He would just get mad. That's why he was always like, I'm about to destroy them. And Moses was like, no, God, no, don't destroy them. Don't do it. No, them your people. They're going to be looking at you bad. No. Like, you can't. <laughs> God, he just couldn't get it. He couldn't fathom it. And so Jesus coming was God trying to understand. Because the only way he could understand is if he put on flesh and became his creation. Mm-hmm. 
And so up until that point, God couldn't get it. That's why he was so ruthless in the Old Testament. That's why he would put them in slavery. That's why he was like destroying the world. That's why he was sending fire down and consuming people. Well, yeah, like God was doing kind of stuff where if you didn't do what you were supposed to do, he sent fire up and it would just consume you in that moment for no reason. That's the kind of stuff God was doing. Like, I ain't going to church this morning. And like, that's the kind of stuff God did in the Old Testament. You, just, you spontaneously combust. And so like, he couldn't get it. That's why he was so angry all the time. When you read the Old Testament, God seems like just this angry dude. That's always like just slapping, like beating his kids. That's what it looked like. All right. But when you get to the New Testament, Jesus comes so that God can understand why are they acting so dumb. So when Jesus comes, it's God in the flesh. So Jesus now, when God gets mad, Jesus goes, God, I was there and I understand. She was real fine. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, what, that's what it is. It's, hey God, I, under, I understand. Like I really, that I could have used that money when I was there too. I was walking around broke. You know what I mean? Like it was that God wanting to understand His creation, because He wanted to make sure that we were on the same level. So that way, what He expected of His people, He can make sure it was rational. That's really, really good. Are y'all seeing this thing? Because if He can live through it, it's rational. So whatever God calls you to live. It's not anything that's not possible. All things are possible. And so Paul had to do that. If Jesus, if God himself had to do that, why wouldn't we have to do that? So Paul was like, so I can make sure that I could understand people and I don't think that I'm better than people. He gave me this thorn. And he called, I like that he called it the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Basically, Satan, we look at him as this, we look at Satan as the enemy of God, which he is. But honestly, Satan is more so a pawn in God's plan. Because yeah. Satan, actually in this moment, even though Satan thought he was hurting Paul, what Satan was doing was keeping Paul humble, which was still a part of God's plan. Same thing with Job. Like anytime, anytime Satan does it, same thing with Joseph. With the, with the, uh, he meant for evil, God turned for my good. Satan only can do what God allows him to do because Satan is still part of God's plan. Wow. So why, what, what, I think Petey may have asked last week, what was the purpose of Satan? What's the purpose of hell? It's all a part of God's plan to get his people more perfect. You get what I'm saying? It's all necessary. We need this stuff. This is a good lesson, guys. I don't know if y'all really get good stuff. Um, and so, 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 he had this thorn in the flesh, and he said, God, take it away for lack of time. God, get rid of it. I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with this. I don't want to deal with laziness. I don't want to be lazy. I don't want this. I don't want to, I don't want to have a heart of unforgiveness. I don't want it. God, I don't want, I don't want homosexuality. I don't want that. I want to like this girl. She's right here. She likes me too. I want to like her. I want to marry her. But there's something that's standing between and I don't want it. And what God says, he says, listen, I ain't taking that thing away because I already gave you my grace. My grace, and we say the thing that my grace is sufficient. What that means is God isn't going to take it away. I've given you grace so you can take it away. You got the power. And I preach this a lot. God has given us the spirit God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of and, and uh, so why are we always asking God to move stuff? God has already given us the power to move stuff. So I've given you my grace. The fact that you're still living and you still have breath in your body and you have a right to the tree of life and you have a right to salvation, that's my grace. 
And my grace is enough for you to deal with this thing. You may, and the thing is, whatever your issue is, you will never get rid of it. All you learn how to do, you'll learn how to make it lie dormant. It'll never go away completely because it's part of who you are. But you'll learn how to check it. I don't, I, y'all know, y'all, those have known me my whole life. I, I have an attitude problem. I have a better, I have a lot better control, but I got a bad, I used to have a bad one. I just go off. I don't care who you are. I say what I need to say. I don't care who you are. I almost got kicked out a couple of groups um, a couple of times um, because I just say, am I lying? Nope. And so that is not gone. And if I'm not careful, it can sneak up on me and whip my tail if I'm not careful. It's still there. We need it because that's what makes us depend on God. Because if I don't have his grace, I'm not strong enough to overpower it. That, it keeps me connected. So going back to John 5, go back to John 5 because I ain't got time to do Romans. Go back to John 5. So they're at this pool. Everybody has an issue. Everybody has a struggle. And they're at this pool and Jesus singles this one guy out. And he asks this dude, what, what verse is that? 5, 6, where are we at? Where he starts talking to the man. 5, read it for me. A man there who had been sick for 38 years. 38 years this dude been sick. Jesus saw him lying there. And he knew that the man had been sick for such a long time. Talk so really quick. The fact that he was sick, though, it shows that it wasn't so, like if he couldn't walk or something, it was all tied to a sickness. It wasn't who he was. It was caused by a disease. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that he was just born lame and couldn't walk. And it wasn't that like he got hurt and couldn't walk or something like that. He had a disease that was causing him his body to shut down. Are y'all following this thing? Which means what? If I can cure the disease, I can cure the body. The, the, the legs not working was just a symptom of the internal disease that was there. <laughs> so there's some stuff. I want y'all to see this. You've got to learn how to get to the root. Because a lot of us have struggles, but our struggles are not the root. They're, they stem from something else. I got an attitude problem because my mama treated me a certain, my daddy wasn't there and I only was raised by my mama. And so like she had an attitude and was always going off. And so that's why I learned it. You get what I'm saying? Or I have a problem with sexual immorality because when I was little, I was abused. And so I have never dealt with the hurt of what my uncle did to me when I was seven years old. And because of that, I let my men treat me any and every kind of way. You gotta get to the root. Lazy. Why am I lazy? I'm not lazy just because I don't like doing stuff. I'm lazy because I never had to do anything. I was spoiled growing up. So if I can get to the root of why I was lazy, then I can understand how to do better. It's hard to change these porches if you're trying to change the fruit, not the root. You get what I'm saying? I can look. I can go to an apple tree, take the apple off, and 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 and, and staple an orange to the tree, but that'll make it an orange tree. It's just an apple tree. Well, the orange staple too. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? And so a lot of us are doing that with our lives. We're trying to fix this stuff. And so we're taking we're, we're trying to get rid of it. But the thing is, once that, once that, that orange falls off, the apple's gonna grow back. Because you didn't get you didn't change the root. Are y'all following this thing? So you trying to cover up unforgiveness with a real sweet attitude. And so now you have that nice nasty thing going on. Where you say nice stuff, but it's underhanded. They call it petty. Exactly. You get what I'm saying? Oh. All right, so 
He had been sick for 38 years. That's a long time. To be, I don't know how old this dude was, but he has had this disease for 38 years. I'm sure he had, he had become complacent and just gotten used to being like that. Yeah. Read. Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew that the man had been sick for such a long time, so he asked him, do you not want to get well? Jesus said, don't you want to get better? <laughs> Even you laying up here, and Jesus can tell he'd been here for forever. Like, he had a chair set up. He just, this is his, where he stayed. And like, don't you want to get better? Because if you hear, and like, I imagine him, I imagine this guy not sitting on the porch. I imagine this guy sitting in front of the water. Does that make sense? Like, you have these porches, but he's like sitting in front of the water, and Jesus is like, you're right here at it. <laughs> All you got to do is roll over, and you're in there. Like, what's going on? Like, why? Don't you want to get better? Listen. Go ahead. To me, does that that phrase implies that he wasn't trying? Or is it just me reading it? Because it says, do you not want to get well? Versus, mm -hmm. do you want to get well? Yeah. Like, there's a different tone to it. He, he, it's like he wasn't trying. So and he had been trying for 38 years. Like, people like who have this kind of stuff, some people don't want to change. Like, they're not trying to change. Well, because some people, like, they like to be pacified. Because this is the thing, if you're crippled, nobody expects you to do any work. And so if I were to get healed, that means people will expect something of me. So I'd rather lay, like, lay down and not do anything because then nobody will expect anything of me and I can have an easy life. Like the way I see it, or like the way I interpret how, just looking at like Christ as a whole, you know, ultimately he wants to be connected to us. So, you know, when we're actually concerned about somebody, like you're like, you're asking those kind of things. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's not necessarily like you don't want to get hit. It's like, like, dude, you, what's like, going on? Yeah, like, like he really just genuinely wants to know. It's not, and I don't think it's necessarily a thing, of, especially with the following verse. Go ahead and read the next part. So we go. Uh, the sick man answered, "Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going another step before another um, going down another steps down." Yeah, another somebody said yeah, damn before me. So he's like, "Don't you want to get here?" He's like, "Well, I do, but nobody will pick me up, pick me up, and put me in there." And then he said, "And then on this rare occasion that I do get up and start walking, somebody's faster than me, and they get in front of me and they jump in first. Mm -hmm. So that shows, honestly, to me, that shows inconsistency. Because that means some days he's trying to get people to help him, and then other days he's trying to do it himself, but he's not trying as best as he can." You get what I'm saying? He's not consistent. So if you claim that you want that you want to get better, but you're not consistent in your seeking, you really don't want it. But what's really cool is Jesus didn't care. Jesus said, "What's the next thing, though?" This is how he was gonna know if he wanted it or not. Read. And he told him to do what? Get up and take your bed and walk. Get up, take your bed and walk. If he really wanted it, if he really wanted it, he was gonna get up. And you have to take his bed. Meaning, my healing always requires more work. So if he really didn't want it, he would stay there. Because the thing is, Jesus didn't touch him or nothing. So there was no reason for him to think that he was healed. Right. <laughs> Jesus was like, get up and walk and take your bed with you. And what's really cool, we ain't got time. The next verse says it was the Sabbath and the Pharisees got mad because he was taking his bed. He said, you ain't going to be doing this. He said, well, the one who healed me told me to. You got to have that connection. You got to have it. Alright? If you claim you really want to be healed from this stuff, you want it, you gotta take it. You gotta get up. 
It's all tied into your movement. Mobility always yields miracles. 